Ladies and gentlemen, Cardinal fans of all ages, welcome to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. I'm Chris Grace. I'll be your host, joined every week by current Wesleyan Athletic Director and former head football coach, Mike Whalen. Each week, Coach and I will interview some of your favorite former Cardinals and find out exactly what they've been up to. Without further ado, it's time to check in with the coach, Mike Whalen. Ladies and gentlemen, it's another edition of Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. Chris Grace joined, as always, by the coach, Wesleyan Athletic Director and former head football coach, Mike Whalen, our producer, Mike O'Brien. And today, we welcome in class of 1987, former Hooper and star on the baseball diamond. He is the current president of Stetson University. Chris Rolke is with us. Chris, welcome to our podcast. Uh, it's, it's an honor and a privilege to be talking with you folks. Uh, as we were talking a little bit beforehand, uh, my Wesleyan athletic experience is something really transformational in my life, and I'm delighted to be here. So, Chris, you know, every, every guest that we have on this show, the first thing we like to touch on is really, how did you end up in Middletown? How did you become a Cardinal? How did you, you find your way to, uh, to Wesleyan University? Sure. I was one of, uh, you know, coming in uh, out of high school in the early 80s, I was one of those athletes that very much wanted to play two sports in college. And I was getting fairly heavily recruited in basketball, but I was not getting as heavily recruited in baseball. And I really desperately wanted to play both sports. And uh, it was through Herb Kenny's connection uh, in my recruitment of basketball that he reached out to Coach Costi and said, hey, I got this young kid from Cape Cod, Massachusetts that we'd really like to see on the basketball team, but he really wants to play baseball. Would you give him a look? And Costi shows up at a game uh, in Somerset, Massachusetts. Uh, I believe playing the outfield for Somerset was my future teammate, Mark Borkman. Uh, and Costi was there and showed interest in me as a first baseman. And I really wanted to play both. And that's what of course, I also wanted a first-rate education, of course, and I was only looking at schools where I could get a first-rate education, and, and Wesleyan was a place where I felt like I might be able to play two sports along the way. And so, and so, uh, you know, Chris, what, what were other schools that you looked at? What, there, what, what, did, it, did, what did it come down to? And did, did it come down to just, you know, really the, the fact that um, you knew Wesleyan was going to give you that two-sport opportunity, and, and that really was what you wanted? And obviously, sure. educationally, you know, you know, Wesleyan has just about every major, so um, yep. you probably felt pretty good about that. But was there, was there any school, other schools that you were torn with? I was. I was torn between uh, uh, Dartmouth was in the mix, uh, Yale University was in the mix, uh, Connecticut College, not far from Wesleyan, was also in the mix. They did not have a baseball team at that time. They just had a club-level team. Um, uh, uh, the typical NESCAC schools were all in the mix. Um, uh, Middlebury, um, uh, Bates was interested uh, uh, in, in my athletic uh, contributions I might make. But when I visited the campus with my mom and dad and I had the opportunity to go to the cottage, you all may remember the cottage. Oh, yeah. The cottage, Costi was on the first floor, Coach Costi on the first floor, and Herb Kenny on the second floor. And we ju it just felt right to me. It felt right to me. Uh, I loved my tour with both the basketball and baseball players who took me around campus. They were smart, they were interesting, they cared a lot about their team, uh, but they were also there to get an education and it just felt right to me. And uh, even my mom, who, who didn't say much, said, this is the place, isn't it, Chris? And I said, yes, mom, this is the place. 
And so, you know, you know, I know for me, you know, I grew up in, in Enfield, you know, 45 minutes from, from campus, 40 minutes from campus. And, you know, uh, a big thing was, you know, as a two-sport athlete, football, wrestling, was, you know, my parents were able to come to so many of my games, you know, in both sports and, and matches, games. And, and uh, you know, that ended up being a, a nice perk about, uh, about, about staying relatively close to home. So I'm sure, I'm sure your folks got a, got a great chance to watch you compete over the four years. Mike, I appreciate you raising that because that was a factor too. We were just a few hours away. It was close enough that my folks could come to the ball games. And I'm pleased to report to you that uh, as my dad got close to retirement, um, the town of Dennis, Massachusetts, where I came from, gave him a gift uh, just before my senior year, which was a year's long worth of hotel stays in Cromwell, Connecticut. <laughs> and uh, I was so touched that the town knew how important it was to my parents and how important it was to me. And boy, was that a thrill uh, to be able to have my parents there at every single game my senior year in basketball and in baseball. That's great. That's so, great. Chris, if you could talk about, you know, how that helped structure you, you know, playing two sports in college, you know, how that, you know, balancing that with obviously the challenges of an education at a school like Wesleyan. I mean, that it's not an easy thing to do, but especially – a lot of times you'll see someone do a fall sport and, and, a, and a spring sport maybe, but to, to go back to back like that from basketball to baseball, what kind of challenges did that present to you? Great question. And um, for a little bit of background, I think I arrived on the Wesleyan campus at 18 years old at about six foot two, maybe 160 pounds, if that. Um, and it was a great opportunity for me to grow physically, mentally, emotionally. You know, I think I left uh, Wesleyan at 6'4", 190, something like that. You know, I got stronger. I got more mature. I uh, understood what it was going to take in order to compete at a high level uh, within the NESCAC. And frankly, that didn't come right away for me. I had to, I had to earn it. Uh, back in those days, thankfully, there were some JV squads. And uh, I spent some time honing my craft, both in basketball and in baseball. Uh, always very, very spirited. I was just happy to be out there on the field and on the hardwood. And then I knew my opportunity would come. Uh, and when it did, I, I was able to take advantage of that. So I I'm sincere when I say it was a huge part of my education, uh, not only as a high school student, but certainly at Wesleyan uh, University as well. And certainly having the opportunity to play for two coaching legends. Um, you know, uh, we've, we've had several uh, basketball players on who, who played from Herb and, and, and some baseball players that played or, or even football players that played for Kasi, you know, when he was as assistant football coach, as Herb was for a couple of years as well. Um, but why don't, you, uh, why don't you enlighten us and give us your favorite, uh, you know, I guess PG-rated uh, Herb and Kasi <laughs> stories because uh, they can easily slide a little beyond that. So we, we, need to, uh, we need to classify which ones you can tell. You're right, Mike. Uh, absolutely legendary coaches who are at Wesleyan a long time. At Wesleyan a long time, they care deeply about not only their uh, coaching, but they also care about um, you know, helping young people develop uh, uh, as, as young people. I'll start with Herb. And my, my, one of my favorite stories about Herb actually is after I graduated, if I may, uh, which is I got the opportunity to be the JV basketball coach right after I graduated from Wesleyan under Herb's tutelage. And one of my fondest memories of Herb was after I got my first victory as a 22 year old junior varsity college coach, Herb gave me 20 bucks. 
And he said, Chris, uh, you'll never forget this. This is your first coaching victory. Do something fun with it. And I have to say, Mike and others on the call, I, I didn't do anything that fun with it, but I was so touched that he thought that this was important. That uh, I went down to downtown Middletown and I looked for something that I might be able to give in return for the wonderful gesture. And I found at a local drugstore a cardinal, a uh, ceramic cardinal. <laughs> and I bought that with my first 20 bucks and I brought it back to her to, to say thank you for, for not only the 20 bucks, but this is a really great experience that you've afforded me. I was a little young. In fact, I had a, uh, a student that was 25 on my team who was a former army guy. Uh, so I was 22 and he was 25 on my team. And I know that Herb trusted me, uh, that I was going to do a good job. And I was just so grateful for that opportunity. So I, I got to see a side of Herb uh, as, uh, as his assistant, uh, that I didn't necessarily have that lens as a player. And I'll always be grateful for that experience. Uh, my, my memory of Costi um, is so many wonderful memories of, of Coach Costi. I also had the opportunity to coach third base for Coach Costi in that year that I stayed at Wesleyan after I graduated. Similar to Herb, I got a sense to really understand um, you know, his methods, um, what he was trying to teach, uh, the discipline that both Herb and, and Costi were trying to instill in the team, and a deep, deep passion for winning. They both really, really were committed uh, to being victorious on the hardwood uh, and certainly on the diamond. Uh, Costi also um, was uh, nice enough to come. I left Wesleyan after that one year to teach high school history and social studies. And I remember, and I coached girls basketball and I coached the boys varsity baseball team. And both of those guys came down from Middletown to support me in my coaching of women's basketball and my coaching of, of the varsity baseball team. In fact, I'll, I'll never forget that, you know, we were on a low budget and Costi brought me a dozen baseballs. <laughs> uh, you know, so those are the kinds of things, Mike, and, and Chris, that you remember uh, the sort of so softer touches and you really got the message that these folks cared about you and they cared about you even after you graduated. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. We, uh, we have kind of similar paths because, you know, the year after I graduated, I stayed on and, and coached football with Mac and, and then uh, wrestling with John Bittescombe. And yeah, you know, seeing that other side of those guys, you know, um, you know, we would, you know, on our way either from the Deke house or from somewhere else late at night on a Saturday night, we would see the, the lights on still in the cottage. And we knew that they were in there after a football game, breaking down the film, but to actually be sitting in there the next, you know, the year after I graduated at 3 AM in the morning with them watching the football uh, film and breaking down the football film was, was, uh, was completely different scenario than, than walking back from a party at 2 AM. Coach, you're spot on on that. And that was the other uh, thing I wanted to reflect on was those times at the cottage, those one-on-one -on -one conversations or group conversations with the coaching staff. Uh, I felt like I was special uh, to be able to have that opportunity uh, and to really get inside the brains of these really uh, amazing coaches uh, who, again, not only uh, knew the game that they were coaching so well, they also understood young people. Yep. Yep. So, Chris, it seems to me, without being too presumptive, that your experience at Wesleyan clearly molded what you're doing right now. I mean, on the uh, surface, it seems that way. That's a completely fair assessment. Um, 
you know, we may get into later on, you know, uh, our favorite faculty members and people that uh, inspired us. Uh, but yes, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, as I was at Westland, I was starting to think a lot about the field of education. And that when I think about the field of education, I don't mean just classroom teaching, right? I mean the kind of teaching that can take place outside the classroom, you know, whether or not you're working in a human service organization or in a school uh, or in a nonprofit someplace. Uh, I got fascinated by the field of education partly through my experience in athletics. So I guess, uh, Chris, what I'd like to know is, so you, you talk about, you know, going and, and coaching at a, at a, right out of, after your one year at Wesleyan, you coach and you, and you teach. Um, but then the, the next step after that, um, you, you decide that you want to go, you know, a level higher than just teaching, right? So, so walk us through that step. Walk us through the next steps after uh, your early teaching career. Sure. There's going to be some romance associated with this story, if that's right. all right. Yeah. We love romance. <laughs> So I'm, I'm very happily teaching uh, high school history and social studies uh, in a number of different settings and also getting the opportunity to coach and frankly, very fulfilled. I'm really enjoying the work. Uh, it felt like, uh, you know, I was trying on this jacket for size and it fit well. But I was also dating at the time uh, another Wesleyan graduate, Kim Greenberg, uh, who was captain of the women's ice hockey team and also captain of the women's rugby team. And we were doing a long distance thing. She was uh, in her first year of veterinary school at Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, while I was in Connecticut teaching and coaching. And I had to make a difficult decision, which is I had to follow my heart, but I also loved what I was doing. Uh, but I, I chased her. I chased her to, uh, at Cornell, uh, ended up uh, dropping into the graduate program there at Cornell, thinking all along that perhaps I would become a high school principal or a school superintendent or something in the field. And it was there at Cornell when I got the opportunity to teach and to conduct research that I realized this was it. Uh, and, I, and I would encourage all of our Wesleyan student athletes to try some things on for size, because uh, I think unless you get that practical experience of, of trying something on for size, you know, that kind of level of discernment is necessary before you decide to put all your eggs in the, right, in the, in the basket that you think you're ultimately going to be in. Uh, and I enjoyed that journey very, very much. And I'm always grateful that I had the opportunity to teach at Cornell because that allowed me to figure it out. I had found my home, which was higher education. And, and when, you, when you get to Cornell, obviously, I, I saw that uh, when, I was, when I was reading about you before that, that you and your wife, you know, both were at Cornell at the same time. I didn't realize, I was saying, wow, they both were at Wesleyan. And they both ended up at Cornell. That's amazing. Did you guys plot this out or plan it? So now I know, like, like many good men, you were the chasee in this, in this whole situation. Yeah, we, we met as uh, resident advisors in Clark Hall on the Wesleyan campus. Uh, she was an RA on the fourth floor, and I was an RA on the third floor. And though we were in the same class, we did not know each other until that particular experience. Um, and we, we kind of stuck together ever since. Uh, and even at Cornell, uh, I would drag her out to whatever intramural contest I could drag her out to, whether it be co-ed softball, uh, cross-country running, co-ed golf, um, three-point championships. Uh, you know, so she continued to remain very uh, competitive athletically. In fact, played for the Syracuse Warriors uh, ice hockey team uh, after Wesleyan and even scored a goal when she was pregnant with our first child. So wow. uh, we, sh we share a passion for Wesleyan athletics. Uh, we often have a little internal competition as to who is the better athlete. Uh, 
And uh, again, I've uh, uh, been together now uh, 36 years and married for 30. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And, you know, those are, you know, all, all college sports are tough, but you're not going to mess with someone who played rugby and ice hockey. That's, that's going to, you're going to have to tread, you know, tread cautiously around the house, I imagine. She uh, definitely has both a mental and physical toughness that far exceeds her husband. <laughs> nice. So, so, oh, go ahead, coach. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, so you're, so you're, you're teaching at Cornell and, and kind of figure out that, you know, that there's, there's, there's a connection there. And so kind of take us from there. Like where, where did you, where did that Cornell opportunity lead you? Thank you, Mike. Uh, the, the first academic job I took was at the University of Richmond. Uh, the Spiders. I had not yet completed my dissertation, uh, but an opportunity presented itself for me to, to move on in my career. Uh, uh, I really enjoyed it there very, very much, but our family was drawing us back to the Northeast. Uh, and then a, an opportunity presented itself at Vassar College in Poughkeepsie, New York, uh, which I was really hoping that I might be able to land. I was fortunate enough to, to be offered that position as a member of the faculty in education, urban studies, and also a little bit of side work in environmental studies. And that was my home for the last 21 years uh, as a member of the faculty and also dean of the college at Vassar for the last decade. And then this presidential opportunity at Stetson University presented itself. And, um, and uh, so I've been here since July 1st, 2020, and uh, quite, a, quite a time to begin one's first uh, university presidency. Uh, but I'm honored and privileged to be doing the work. And, and so, and so, you know, I've always won, I've often wondered this in terms of, you know, I'm at Wesleyan now 10 years. I'm, I'm working for my fifth provost. Okay. So, and, and, you know, they've, they've gone on to good opportunities, you know, some, you know, one kind of retired, then came back. Um, but um, I, I just wonder, you know, so you're, you're teaching, then you move to dean of the faculty. Are you still teaching while you're dean of the faculty? Uh, as dean of the, I was dean of the college. Dean of college, dean of the college. Uh, right. and, and I did teach once every two or three years. I did okay. it for 10 years. Wow. I did it for two full terms. And I felt like I was a better uh, educational leader when I had the chance to teach. So I did teach three or four times during my 10-year span. Okay. And then, and then during, was it, I guess, when did you, when did you realize, hey, you know, I might be able to, to, to take this thing to become a college president. I guess that's my, because I, I kind of, I'm looking at this from a, you know, from a parallel track in coaching, you know, so like, sure. you know, I was an assistant coach for a long time and people often ask me like, when did you, like, when did you decide that you wanted to be, you wanted to sit in the big chair? Like, when did, when did you decide that that was what you wanted to do? Uh, I think the honest answer to that, uh, Mike, is that I didn't really have a pathway in my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, I really, and that's really the honest answer. I was enjoying the work very, very much. I liked very much being at the sort of policy making table as well as trying to assist faculty and students to reach their, their goals. And frankly, it was through the encouragement of some of my mentors. Uh, they said, you know, you really, you're really doing a great job, but you, know, you really ought to think about the next step for you. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, family considerations come into play at that time. I'm sure they did for you, Mike, too, when you had to make a decision, um, you know, to leave Williams and to come back to home to Westland. Uh, and then the timing just became right. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to, to land a position that, frankly, I think fits really, really well 
with my own dispositions and my own approach to education. So I feel very, very lucky uh, to be, have, uh, despite the pandemic, uh, despite considerable uh, national social, social political unrest, uh, it's, it's an honor and a privilege to be doing this role at Stetson University. So Chris, I, you know, when I was reading up on your bio, another thing I saw is that you have three daughters, so God bless you for that. Um, uh, you know, can't imagine. Um, but what I, what I read is that all three of them uh, went to Vassar. Is that correct? Two out of the three. So I have, I have three daughters, uh, Emma, who's now 25 and a second year medical, second year medical student at NYU. Uh, Julia is 23 and a science educator and basketball coach and sustainability coordinator in Connecticut at Green's, Green's Farms Park, Academy. Right? Yep, I saw that. Yep, Green's Farms. Yep. And I still have a, a high school student. Okay. She is going to be a senior next year. Uh, so she's about to go under the, uh, the journey. Well, about she goes to Stetson, then I know that I know what's happening here, that, that your daughters just, just want to be near you all the time. It's just typically, what, the reason I brought it up was, by the time most girls are, you know, towards the end of high school, they want to get away from their, they want to get away from their families. But your daughters wanted to stay with you, which is an, obviously means that you have a great close knit family, which is a credit to everything you guys are doing over there. Chris, that's really nice of you to say. I, I am really, really proud of my, uh, of my kids. They're, they're wonderful human beings who are not only smart, but they're passionate and they care a lot about the people around them. And, um, yeah, we, frankly, we were surprised uh, uh, that Emma and Julia chose Vassar because they literally grew up on the campus. Uh, the camp, uh, Vassar provided us with a home uh, right on the center of campus. Uh, my daughter, Julia, who happens to have played college basketball at Vassar, sort of fell in love with the women's basketball program there. So I think that was part of her uh, decision making. And Emma, the older one, was really uh, um, looking for an opportunity where she could be challenged intellectually and she felt that Vassar was the place. I'd be uh, not telling you the truth if I didn't say Wesleyan was absolutely in the mix for both of them. Uh, Coach Mullen in particular was very interested in, in Julia to play basketball. And uh, you know, we let our kids make their own decisions and we were delighted that they chose Vassar. They did not live with us, of course. Uh, we wanted them to have the full career, uh, full college experience. Uh, so they lived on campus. That's an easy commute to games though. It is, and it also means that, particularly the one that was a basketball player, that our refrigerator got raided on a regular basis um, at home. She would often stop by, and somehow we had just gone shopping, and suddenly all that food was gone. <laughs> so you have this two-decade, you know, or so run at Vassar, and then you know you get this offer at Stetson into land. And we were talking about this beforehand. My older brother went to Stetson, so I've actually spent a little bit of time into land. But that's a totally different world. I mean, talk about, you know, arriving, you know, for those who don't know, DeLand is uh, the closest place to is probably Daytona Beach um, in that area. And, you know, it's a small college town. But uh, talk about, you know, I mean, it's, a, it's a, obviously a different climate and it's a, it's a different world down there. It's got a little bit of South and a little bit of Florida. That's exactly right. And uh, you're, you're spot on on location. We're about a half hour from Daytona Beach. Uh, about a half hour north of Orlando. Um, we also have a college of law in Gulfport, uh, Florida, which is on the other side of the state, not far from Tampa, uh, Florida. Uh, that certainly was an adjustment. I mean, again, I started on July 1st, uh, right in the middle of the pandemic. It was also very, very hot uh, when I first arrived on campus. Uh, but it has been an adjustment, but it's been a happy adjustment in part because it's a very caring community 
that really embrace some of the early themes I tried to establish. I tried to keep it simple, Chris, and I said, well, I'm gonna start here in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, there's a lot of joblessness in Florida, uh, a lot of socio-political unrest, and, and I chose to focus on just three themes. Uh, the first was kindness, uh, the second was empathy, and the third was a concept of shared ownership, that we were all on this thing together. And in some ways, I know it sounds silly, but being in the middle of a pandemic actually, I think, played to my strengths. Uh, you know, having been a resident advisor at, at Westland, having been a teacher and having really tried to focus on how to promote the well-being of young people, those were the themes that came to my mind immediately that I would try to focus on uh, as becoming the university's ne uh, next leader. And I couldn't be more proud of the way the community embraced those themes. You know, we kept positivity rates at a very low level. We never closed. Uh, we were able to do athletic competitions starting in January. Uh, and so I'm real proud of the community. And, and I do think I had maybe a small part to play uh, in the wellness. Of so Chris, what I'd like to know is from a school president's perspective, not just in athletics, but dealing with students, not just student athletes, what was it like walking into a job and immediately saying, oh my gosh, I have to make all of these critical decisions in terms of, will we have students on campus? Will we have students play sports? Will we have students virtually in class or in person in class? Talk, walk me through what that was like for you. Sure. Uh, first, let me say that I was fortunate to have a lot of experienced people around me who uh, had good wisdom, uh, including other college presidents that are in our conference, the Atlantic Sun Conference. And, you know, we made some critical decisions early on that I think really made a difference for our community. The first was we went to single occupancy, which meant that students could come to campus. And if they did, in fact, uh, were unfortunate enough to contract the virus, we could, you know, uh, have them be isolated and, and do so safely. And the other was what we called agency. We enabled students to make choices as to how they engage with us. They could engage with us virtually. They could engage with us uh, in person, whichever they preferred. Similarly, we gave that same choice to faculty. Because again, at the time that I was starting on July 1st, Florida was in fact the epicenter of the pandemic. Yes. In the States. Yes. It was the epicenter. So we felt it was very important that we give families and, and students and, and faculty agency in how they uh, navigated an education at Stetson. Those were important decisions. They weren't easy. We were about 60% uh, online and 40% face-to-face in the fall. Those numbers have been reversed for the spring semester, roughly about 60, 65% uh, uh, face-to-face and about 35 or so percent uh, uh, virtual. We expect to be 90% face-to-face uh, -face in the fall, coming up in fall 21. So again, I felt fortunate that I had other really smart people around me helping to make these decisions. And we engaged our community in collective decision-making, and I think that helped. So one thing that we do every week is um, we want to ask our guests, because, you know, all of our guests are doing great things, you know, in different, different aspects of whether it's sports, whether it's, you know, an education, whether it's an administration. But what we want to know is talk about the value of the liberal arts education. Talk about what you think that having a liberal arts education did to shape and mold your career. Well, I hope I'm not being redundant with some of your other uh, podcast guests, but you know, this generation of young people is quite likely to change jobs 15, 16 times, and maybe occupations two or three times. If we take that statistic uh, you know, as, as valid, we certainly need to equip young people with the skills to be able to work across differences, to be able to communicate well, to write well, to critically think, to be able to solve problems 
problems in our communities that are not just isolated in one discipline, but they actually can be tackled across disciplines. So I think that these values of a liberal arts education, which certainly Wesleyan is among the best in the world at this, those skills don't go away. I do think given the rising price tag of higher education, we do have to provide some form of intentionality uh, around their career preparation. So I know that the Wesleyan Athletics Program, several of the teams have these internship opportunities with alums, you know, opportunities to shadow people uh, in various careers and, and occupations. I think that's terrific. And that just only increases the value uh, of an education. As you just said in your opening remarks here on this question, we've got a lot of talented people out there that are pretty successful. Uh, and we can learn an awful lot from our alums that are in a variety of fields. So obviously, needless to say, I'm a product of the liberal arts environment. I believe in it. And even as a college president, I continue to uh, champion the value of a liberal arts education while at the same time trying to modernize uh, notions of, of how it is you get practical experience along the way. And then along those lines, Chris, you know, what would be the, the one piece of advice that you would give to, you know, current student athletes at Wesleyan today, you know, in terms of, you know, what they should be doing and, you know, and, and, and you know, how, how they should be approaching this opportunity? Well, when I, when I work with young people uh, in the higher education context, I don't see my job as, as, as really telling them, you know, here's your, here's your way you get from point A to point B. What I find myself doing, Mike, is, is I try to ask them a lot of questions to help them do their own discernment about where they're headed next, what their next courses ought to be to help challenge themselves. Uh, I think there's real value in that and, and not giving uh, young people necessarily the, the path from point A to point B, but asking them really good questions so you get to understand what makes, what drives them, what excites them. Again, back, what are the kinds of problems that they like to solve that are around them? and then use the curriculum and those extracurricular experiences and that experiential learning and build that up so that they can then address those challenges and those opportunities uh, smartly uh, in a sophisticated way. Uh, and, and so that's kind of my, my thinking. My best advice would be for all Wesleyan students is turn every corner. What I mean by that is, you know, it may not feel right, but there may be opportunities to your left or to your right that you haven't explored yet turn every corner and, and try it on for size. And then you'll know, you'll be able to do that personal discernment to be able to determine what your next step is. Yeah, so many, so many of our previous guests have, have talked about, you know, especially, you know, as athletes, which is normal, you come in and, you know, you, you are um, surrounded by your, your circle of friends and, uh, you know, whether it's through your teams or the fraternity or, you know, what it may be and, um, and you don't really start to branch out and do other things until you're a junior or a senior. And so many of our previous guests have said, you know, get out and do it sooner. You know, don't stay inside your comfort zone. Get out there and, and you know, go to support, you know, other students doing other things um, outside of athletics and, and, and really take advantage of the diversity of thought that's on the campus and, and, and uh, um, you know, expose yourself to, to – to other things that, that are, um, you know, maybe a little less, you know, uh, comfortable, you're comfortable with. Coach, I think you're spot on. You said it better than I did. I think you got to be willing to challenge yourself, meet with people that are unlike yourself, uh, meet with people that maybe don't have the same exact passions that you have, and your world and your opportunity will be broadened. So, Chris, basically what we do at the end of every episode is uh, we want to put you through what we call the, the gauntlet. So, 
These are all going to be questions based on Wesleyan. Uh, Coach and I will go back and forth. I know you uh, you might know where we're going with this. You said you listen to some of the shows, but you know sometimes we we throw some curveballs in there. We might make. <laughs> so, no, don't worry about it. Just say the first thing that pops into your head, and you know, if, you know, if, if you if you if you don't have anything nice to say to me or your coach, you know, then don't say anything at all. Don't <laughs> I'm looking forward to this portion of the program. All right. <laughs> So I'll lead it off. I'll lead it off, Chris. We ready? Yes. Yes, sir. All right. Okay. Both Chris's. We're ready. Here we go. All right. Favorite professor at Wesleyan? I would have to say uh, Marjorie Rosenbaum and her husband, Bob Rosenbaum. They were the ones that uh, exposed to me the field of education. Marjorie was a brilliant opera singer, and she would sometimes in the middle of the class burst out in song. And despite there be 28 or 30 students in the class, I felt like she was speaking directly to me, <laughs> which I thought was a pretty remarkable trait for a faculty member to have. Her husband, Bob, uh, who was, by the way, I think up until his 90s, a terrific nationally ranked squash player, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was dedicated to uh, the program to improve the mastery of mathematics and science. And he's also a brilliant educator who gave me the opportunity in the summers to work with uh, kids from Bridgeport, uh, kids from Waterbury, uh, to try to expose uh, math and science to young people and encourage them to go into those fields. So he gave me not only employment, but great opportunities uh, to teach uh, in the summers. And if I may, I know you asked me for my favorite, but I have another one I'd like to mention if I could, Mike, which is sure. uh, John Finn. John Finn taught uh, constitutional law and he taught it with extraordinary passion. In fact, I happened to be fortunate enough to be in the class where he was reviewing the case Korematsu versus the United States, which was about the internment of Japanese Americans during World War II. And you could see his face was getting red and he was getting angry about this case. You could see the passion was there. I'm not kidding, he rips the pages of the Korematsu case out of the law school textbook, which in those days, I think it was about a $60, $65 textbook. <laughs> He rips the pages out, crumples them all up in a ball, and he throws it across the room over at, uh, at the pack. And he, and he says, this is an aberration of American justice. And you could just feel the, a pin drop in the, in the room because he was so passionate. And the funny part of the story is, is that the crumpled up papers carry him off two walls in the, uh, off, of, off the corner of the room and right into the waste paper basket. <laughs> it's a true story. It's a true story. And he saw it from the corner of his eye that this crumpled up papers of the Karamatsu case went into the garbage can. And even he had to kind of calm down and chuckle because you couldn't write the script. You couldn't wow. write the script any better. If I'm not mistaken, John became a, a world-class chef uh, in a later part of his career, really became interested in culinary arts and uh, just a really memorable professor. So I answered your question in a long-winded way. Those are my three favorites. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. Who, who was the most influential person in your life? You know, it's probably a common answer uh, among your guests. Uh, my dad. Uh, my mom and dad were extraordinary parents. I was the baby of seven children. They were extraordinary uh, parents, uh, big sports fans, big into theater. Uh, my dad became as close to my Wesleyan teammates as, uh, as anybody. Um, you know, when he passed, I had Wesleyan teammates from both basketball and baseball showing up unexpectedly at the memorial service. Uh, he was that kind of guy. Uh, his motto was keep smiling. So no matter what kind of adversity you might confront either on or off the field, that it's important that you stay positive and 
I miss him and I continue to draw from his wisdom. Uh, and it's not at all to diminish the, the great wisdom of my mom, uh, but my dad uh, uh, would relive every game, every point, every play. Uh, and I'll, I, I miss that an awful lot because he had great insight and wisdom uh, about all things. I couldn't beat him in anything until I was 16 years old. Um, <laughs> he was a basketball player at Duke, ended up playing semi-pro baseball and was just a phenomenal athlete and also uh, taught me uh, the educational value of sport. That's great. Um, so we know what your first job after graduating from West was. So we're going we're gonna to switch this up a little bit and say, okay, what was your favorite summer job, either high school or college? Uh, I loved being able to coach basketball camp, and I also coached uh, Babe Ruth baseball. Uh, I didn't get paid for the latter, but it was still a great experience uh, to be able to coach uh, uh, baseball. But I have to say that I also had a summer earnings requirement. I was on heavy financial aid, something that I'm always going to be grateful to Wesleyan for. Again, I was the last of seven kids. Uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of family resource uh, uh, left uh, in the tank. And, you know, I did the chain gang on the football field. I sold programs out on the uh, at, at football games. Uh, I was uh, the sports information director, student assistant. I did all sorts of wonderful jobs that helped me uh, get my work study uh, hours in. Um, and, you know, th those were valuable experiences, experiences too. Uh, they really were. Um, so I don't know, did I answer your question, Mike? Yeah. yeah, no, that's good. Yep. Okay. If you had to cheer for one, would it be Amherst or Williams? I refuse to be forced to root for either one of those teams. <laughs> and I learned how to critically think at Wesleyan, and I don't have to answer that question. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> Great answer. Love it. Love it. All right. When you were five years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? I think I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. In fact, if you were to go through the archives of the fam Rolke family attic or whatever, you would see some tapes that I made of myself imitating Howard Cosell and other sports broadcasters. I love sport even at age five. And I thought, geez, this would be great. You get to go to games and you get to announce the games. Uh, and interestingly enough, although I did not choose that as a path, um, when my daughter was playing uh, basketball at Vassar College, uh, I was the, um, the announcer for the web streaming. Um, and so I got a chance to live that dream out a little bit because I knew every player on that team so well. And I would, start, <laughs> I would start every broadcast by indicating, hello, this is Chris Rolke. I'm Dean of the College of Vassar. And you should know right at the outset that this will not be an unbiased broadcast. <laughs> I mean, because my, my daughter's playing and I know all these kids and, and, and I, I, I got a bit of a reputation in the Liberty League because you know, I went to every single game just like my mom and dad did. And, yeah. and I would go to the away games. They go, you're that guy. You're that guy. <laughs> That's great. That's, That's great. fantastic. Uh, as, uh, as a guy who, who tries to, you know, call it right down the middle, I can appreciate that. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you've received in your life? I've received so many good pieces of advice, but I guess if I were to pick one, I think it would have to be some advice my wife gave me uh, during a challenging time we were having uh, with the climate, uh, the, the, the social climate at Vassar. And it was my job to try to uh, get the community to get back to wellness. And I was feeling a lot of pressure to try to help the community. 
and I was struggling a bit with it. I was having a hard time finding solutions. And my wife says to me, Chris, this is not about you. Get over yourself. <laughs> I have to tell you, I, I, I continue to think about that wonderful advice she gave me and she was spot on. You know, here I was feeling the pressure and feeling like this was on me to solve this problem. And the truth is very few problems are solved by a single individual. Uh, they very few are solved that way. And my wife made, made that clear to me. And, and I got back up and pulled my uh, stuff up from my bootstraps and we got back to work. So that, I think that's a, the single greatest piece of advice I ever got. It's not about you. Get over yourself. <laughs> that's great. In um, three words, describe your Wesleyan experience. Challenging. I know this word gets thrown out an awful lot, but it's really true in my case. Transformational. And I would also say foundational. I think those are the three words I would say. Yeah, a foundational in a sense that it really gave me the ability to be a lifelong learner, right? That's what a Wesleyan education afforded me. It provided that foundation, which frankly is a priceless foundation. Good answer. What, what do you uh, miss most about, about Wesleyan in your time at Wesleyan? Probably a common answer among your, 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 your guests, the friendships. You know, certainly people uh, leave Middletown and they go on and do really exciting and interesting things. And some are in California, some are working internationally, uh, you know, and the friendships that you, and by the way, they don't go away, but it's a little different when you're not together all the time. Uh, I think I miss that the most. The campus is, continues to be stunning and a, and a place of fond memories. And I love going back to visit on a regular basis. Um, but I think the things I miss most are the people. And what's the best Wesleyan highlight from the last 20 years? You mean other than being able to recruit Mike Whalen away from Williams to become the <laughs> Wesleyan University Athletic Director? Yeah, other than that. Well, there's so many highlights. And of course, I've been watching all the time, uh, uh, you know, following the Wesleyan athletics, not just basketball and baseball, but the other wonderful sports. And I know that we've got a national championship now in women's tennis. Uh, we've got a national championship in lacrosse. I mean, those are extraordinary things. Now, on a selfish note, I'd like to expand the, the, uh, the year of the highlights a little bit by indicating that I think the Wesleyan baseball team that made it to the College World Series was quite an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I knew some of those players because I had graduated just a few years before. And if I'm not mistaken, our current baseball coach was a member of that team. That's right. Woody. Um, right. And so that was quite an accomplishment, something I took great pride in because uh, we were ranked number one in New England when I was a senior. And in those days, if your postseason play conflicted with the exam schedule, you didn't get to participate. And so although we were very, very good and ranked number one in New England, uh, we did not get the opportunity. We were the number one seed in the ECAC tournament. Uh, we did not get to participate because, again, academics came first. And even our faculty were mad about that. They were like, let them go. Let them go. Uh, you know, they can make up this test. You know, uh, the faculty really wanted us to go. So those are some of the highlights, I think, uh, over the last 20 years. And, Mike, I was being kind of silly. I think your arrival has been a very significant um, um, moment in Wesleyan athletic history that you were willing to say yes to come back home. Um, uh, I mean that with all sincerity. Thank you very much. Okay, Chris, this is, your, this is the last question right here. Who is the West alum you would most like to have dinner with? My wife. 
<laughs> no, I'm gonna, much like I did with the, the favorite uh, faculty members and favorite classes, I, I'd like to expand if I could. My wife is an obvious answer. Um, the other is my very best friend of all time, who was captain of the Wesleyan wrestling team, uh, David Robinson. Uh, Dave is now uh, chief counsel for the Hartford, uh, not far from Wesleyan's campus. Had a daughter that graduated from, from, from Wesleyan. He's my nearest and dearest friend, and I think will forever be that. Um, we happen to share the same birthday. Uh, we were on the same hall our freshman year, and it was just, uh, we were soulmates, and we continue to be soulmates. If I may be uh, so bold as to add a third, um, I, would, I would say Edgar Beckham. I don't know if this name rings a bell to folks on the screen, but Edgar Beckham was a Wesleyan alum, uh, I believe in the 1950s, uh, and also later became the dean of the college at, at Wesleyan. And I always admired him when I was a student. And, and now that I'm in higher education administration uh, and I read about his accomplishments, I'm also, uh, he has a, a level of reverence, uh, if you will. Um, just an amazing higher education leader who again, traversed the Wesleyan experience during a very volatile period of time and did so with grace and did so with humility. And I would love to be able to pick his brain again if he were still with us. So now Chris, you know the the old cage gymnasium is now Beckham Hall, right? You knew that? I do know that. Yeah. I do know that. Yeah. Uh, there was a New England Dean's Conference. It was hosted by Wesleyan. And, and uh, when Beckham Hall first opened up, we had our meetings there. And it was great to be able to know that his legacy is secure in that way. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, this has been awesome. This has been uh, great to, uh, to really connect with you and, and to hear uh, your, you know, your journey, both to Wesleyan and then post-Wesleyan. And, and, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I know Coach Riley has, has, has talked a lot about your willingness to support the program and, you know, always willing to talk to any potential players and, and mentor. And, uh, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, just, just, you know, the willingness to be engaged, stay engaged and give back is, is uh, as you know, is as critical a part as, you know, to, to, to you know, not just our, our success athletically, but to Wesleyan's success as a university. And, uh, you know, no one knows that better than you in terms of, you know, sitting in that president's seat. And, and so, uh, you know, we, uh, we're very proud of you and, 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 and uh, everything you've accomplished professionally. And, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited we had this chance to, uh, to connect and, and look forward to staying in touch. This was an awful lot of fun. And you're absolutely right. We've got to continue to support the enterprise as a whole and athletics specifically. And I, I just feel badly that I didn't mention all my great teammates over the years. We don't have time for that, but you know who you are and you mean an awful lot to me. Uh, you made a big difference in my own life and I can't wait till the next time we all get together, both on the alums from the baseball and the basketball programs. Uh, you know, I love you. Great. Well, that's going to do it for us for tonight for uh, the coach, Mike Whalen and for producer, Mike O'Brien. I'm Chris Grace. We'd like to once again, thank our guest class of 1987 current Stetson university. President Chris Rolke, I'm Chris Grace. Until next time, this is Chris and Coach Beyond the Bad Score. So long.